0: Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies.
1: Hi there, happy Friday. If you're new to Options Action, welcome. If you've been with us for a while now, you know what to expect. We're helping you to take your options game to the next level responsibly by risking less to make more. Tonight, a directional play on Disney, rolling the dice in MGM, keeping cool with Yeti, and lessons learned from a gray swan delivered by Amazon. With us tonight, as always, Carter Worth, Mike Co., and Tony Zhang, so let's get right to it. Disney shares on a magical ride in the past year up nearly 28%, and our chart master says The House of Mouse could be heading to a fresh all-time high when it reports earnings next week. Um, Let's first go to Mike, though, with the outlook for Disney. Mike?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this is an interesting situation. We've got Disney very close to all-time highs right here. And if people are just taking a look at the historical performance of the company, one of the things that you might be asking yourself is, you know, we've got free cash flow for the year. That's probably going to be one sixth of the peak that it reached in 2018. We've got net income. That's going to be a small fraction again of what it was in 2018. The parks are closed. You know, what is the bull case here? Well, the bull case is Uh, A couple of things. For one thing, you've got Disney+. Plus. So with just shy of 90 million subscribers, maybe the 2024 expectation of multiplying that by close to four, 350 million subscribers, put that in perspective, that puts them soundly in competition with a company like Netflix, which itself just has over a market capitalization of over $200 billion. This week, we heard California legislators talking about the possibility of reopening parks in the state of California. Disneyland brings in about $4 billion a year in revenues, of course. And you're going to hopefully see as we come out of the the back end of this pandemic, people starting to go back and participate in those areas. Right now, they're taking a look, believe it or not, at close to $90 billion in revenues about two years out from now. That would be the highest ever. So despite the fact that you have these high levels, that would be one of the reasons why people make a bullish case in Disney.
1: All right, so let's see uh, what the outlook is technically. Carter, what do you see?
0: Well, it's a a good setup. Let's just say it that way and go right to the charts. Four in total, the first one. This is a simple one-year chart of Disney. No judgments or annotations by me. Next chart, one way to draw the lines, which is to say you see those two gaps. Right? Uh, it takes a lot of buying pressure to move a stock up with a gap, typically news uh, and often earnings. So the stock after gapping up has been consolidating, doing nothing as the market's gone higher and higher. You can call it a wedge, an ascending triangle, doesn't matter what you call it. They're usually resolved in the direction of the primary move. Now a longer term chart, one of two. The third chart, Disney broke out on its earnings above uh, well-defined tops at a common level. And then it checks back, final chart, and the check back, the give back, reintroduces that ascending wedge or triangle. So a stock that basically returned to its pre-pandemic high, broke out on news, and then is consolidated for the better part of two, three months. In principle, the next directional move is up, not down. So we like it here for a good 8, 10%.
1: All right, so now we have the fundamental case and the technical case. Mike, why don't you lay out the trade?
2: Yeah, let's talk about the options case. So typically, over the last eight quarters, this is a stock that's moved about 3%. Right now, the options market is implying double that a move of about 6% after they report. What does that tell us? Options prices are elevated. When we know that options prices are elevated, we try to take advantage of that by collecting some premium, but we want to do so in a way that doesn't take a great deal of risk. I was looking out to March, the 180-160 put spread. We want to sell that spread. That's a credit spread then. Collecting about $8.75 or so for the 180 strike puts when I was looking at that. Buying the 160s against it, net-net, you would be collecting a credit of about $6.30 per spread. That's $6.30 per share when you put this trade on. Now, we're usually looking, when we do these credit spreads, to collect somewhere between 30 and 40% of the spread. This is towards the lower end of the range. But I think this is a situation that sets up well, and by buying that downside put, you're hedging yourself against the risk that you see. A really disappointing quarter. I don't expect one, but if you do, that's the hedge. We did see that happen in 2015. This is a very different dynamic though right now. This is one of the investment strategies you can en- list essentially, if you're gonna use options going into catalysts like this one. All
1: right, Tony, do you like uh, Disney? Do you like the trade?
2: Yeah,
3: so I like both the technical and fundamental reasons that Mike and Carter laid out. I think. The pent-up demand with the theme parks as, long, as well as the streaming numbers that are coming out from Disney Plus are very strong on the fundamental side. The chart setup looks very strong for a potential breakout here. My only concern is after the stock jumped from 150 to 175 on December 11th when they came out with the strong Disney Plus numbers, the stock has underperformed since then. And if we use Comcast as earnings as a preview here, Comcast as a company reported very strong earnings and the stock didn't jump at all off of that back of that those earnings so my concern is that disney doesn't have that big breakout here but that's why i like mike's trade uh, in two out of the three scenarios if disney uh, disney stock rises on earnings or if it trades sideways this strategy is profitable only if disney's trade uh disney stock uh significantly do you see any significant losses here on this particular strategy so for those reasons i like the trade itself
1: we should note that Comcast is a parent company of this network. Um, Carter, what's your response to uh, the points that Tony brought up about uh, the trading pattern in December for Disney?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, that's, that's the point of when you rest after a great period of strength, it's usually the pause that refreshes. The point is that after an exertion like that, a sideways move is more often than not the preview, the setup for the next directional move. And, of course, on any given week or month, you could have poor relative performance. But that is either the opportunity or the problem. In this case, Disney not making any progress for two months as the market's gone higher. Mm -hmm. Having trounced the market in the preceding two months, the setup or sequence would call for higher. And that's the bet. All
1: right. Well, let's roll the dice on another slice of the reopening trade. MGM reporting earnings next week as well. Tony says the casino stock could be about to hit the jackpot. So, Tony, how are you playing this one?
3: Yeah, I'm taking a look at MGM more so on the online betting side with the Super Bowl here this weekend. There's a lot of interest in the bet MGM side of the business that is expected to grow quite a bit here on Super Bowl weekend here. So if we take a look at the chart here on MGM here over the past two years, we've had a pretty spectacular drop here from about $34 high back in January of last year down to just $6 and it clawed all the way back here this week to make a new 52 week high today. And I'm looking for a potential breakout here above this $34 level that it put in back in January as a potential breakout level all the way up to the next, uh, the $38 level, which is the all time highs. And if we zoom in here to a shorter term chart here over the last six months, the stock has been pretty much range bound from 30 to 32 over the past couple of uh, months, and it's just recently broken out above that range here uh, this week. And especially if you consider the fact that it's been coupled with very strong relative strength. Relative to its sector, that's the type of relative strength that I like to see going into an earnings uh, event here next week. So if we shift our attention here to earnings, uh, the market is currently implying a fairly sizable move here, 7.9% versus the expect uh, the over the past eight quarters of only five and a half percent so the options market are implying a sizable move yet the implied volatilities here going out a little further out in time is still relatively muted here so for those reasons i'm using a trade structure that allows me to take advantage of a breakout here and the relatively low implied volatilities using a debit spread i'm going out to april and i'm buying the 35 40 call spread here, paying about $2.99 for the April 35 calls and collecting about $1.39 for the April 40 calls. Net net here I'm paying about $1.60 for the $5 wide debit spread, which is just about a little under 5% of the stock's price to take this bet. And I'm risking and I, and I have about a roughly a two to one risk-reward ratio here if MGM does break out higher
2: and revisits uh, its all-time highs around 38.
1: Mike, what's your take on this trade?
2: Yeah, so I think Tony is really hitting on a a critical thing to think about. You know, we often talk about the fact that if options premiums are elevated going into a catalyst and we're not expecting a move maybe as large as the the market seems to be implying that we want to take advantage of that by being short options. That was kind of the, the theory that we were laying out there in Disney. So by going out to April and taking advantage of the fact that those options are not quite as highly priced, That's really something I think that people should be paying attention to when you are deciding to use a debit spread instead of a credit spread. So I like that. You know, one of the things to think about, if this stock has a disappointing earnings, the value of this spread is unlikely to collapse to zero right away. It actually is still going to have some time. So in a way, the amount of money that you're laying out, if you decide to revisit your thesis at the end of next week or the week after, is going to be still... You know that you have an opportunity to collect some premium if, if the stock goes in the wrong direction. So if you're going to be long options, generally speaking, try to give yourself a little bit more time. If you're going to be short options, usually you want to identify that catalyst where they're overpriced
1: and sell those. Your thoughts, Carter?
0: Well, what we know, of course, is we have a big news out of wind today. Um, the S&P 500 casino and gaming stocks index, all nine stocks were up up 6.5%. So you've got the tailwind positive comments out about Penn National. I think the interesting thing in terms of the levels is just as Tony pointed out, that we are toying with the prospects of really breaking out. And consider the following, this stock's high before the pandemic hit in January a year ago was $34.64. And today it hit 34.66, literally mm-hmm. to the penny, back to it's, its as so many stocks have have recouped his losses. But we know a lot of stocks are beyond and moved above their pre-pandemic high. That would be the inference for MGM. All right.
1: Coming up, could it be the Peloton of insulated drinkware? <laughs> the very cool story of Yeti and how to retain the heat around it with options. And don't forget, check out our website, optionsaction.cmbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. We will be back in moments. Welcome back to Options Action. Still more earnings to come next week. And when things get hot, options can keep you cool because sometimes an amazing stock growth story can be under your nose, literally, as you sip your still warm morning coffee. And that's Mike Coe's call to action tonight. Mike, take it away.
2: If you go to Central Texas, uh, one of the things you're going to learn is that the brisket at the worst barbecue in Texas on 360, Rudy's Barbecue at the Shell Station, is better than any brisket you're going to find outside of the state of Texas. If you move to Central Texas, you're going to learn that you can have 90 days in a row when it's over 90 degrees. And I moved to Central Texas, and I lived there for five years, and I figured out that the only way to keep your drinks cool was to buy a Yeti. You'll notice behind me I've got a whole pile of these things. Um, These are great coolers, and it's a really interesting company, and it's not one that we've talked about very much, and it's had a spectacular period of growth. And what's interesting about it is that if you take a look at full year earnings, it's actually only trading about 35 times that number, despite the fact you've got about 15% top line growth, close to 20% EPS growth. Now, as we look into earnings in Yeti right now, this is a stock that's moved just under 8% on average over the last eight quarters. And right now the options market is implying a move of more than 10%. If you bought the March at the money straddle, this stock would need to move 16.5%, either higher or lower before you would begin to see any profits. So when I take a look at that, to me, this actually speaks to what we were talking about earlier in the show. You want to try to take advantage of that situation by selling those overpriced options. I was looking at the March 80 calls and the March 65 puts. I could sell each of those for $3 and $2.60, respectively, that doing that trade, I would collect about $5.60. And then I can use those proceeds to help finance the purchase of a longer-dated, may at the money 72 and a half call for $9.10. So I'm trying to take advantage of the fact that the longer dated options are not gonna decay as quickly, sell these nearer dated ones, which are likely to decay very quickly, going into a catalyst like this. So this gives me upside up to, and basically through that higher strike call, the 80 strike call that I'm short, Uh, So that's basically upside of about 10% from here if the stock should rise. On the downside, of course, if the stock fell, I could have that stock put to me. If I'm short a put, the holder of that put has the right to sell me those shares at that lower strike price, in this case, $65. But remember, I'm still gonna own that longer-dated call in the midst of all of this. So again, trying to take advantage of elevated short-dated premiums going into a known event. A company I really like, great products and a great growth story. And on top of that, trying to take advantage of the fact that the longer dated options I'm buying are not going to decay as quickly.
1: I wonder if Rudy watches options. I feel like you just insulted Rudy at the Shell station by calling his beef brisket the worst in all of Texas.
2: I have to, I have to, so by the way, he has a, Rudy's is a chain down there, and they have a sign oh, that says oh, the okay. worst barbecue in Texas, oh, and right. it is okay. phenomenal barbecue. Maybe not as famous as Franklin's, but I'm just telling you, if you want good brisket, and you don't have time to go to the lands of Franklin's.
1: So, so Rudy's, Rudy's really being ironic. Okay, got it. <laughs> Carter, what are the technicals <laughs> looking like for this one?
0: Well, they're good, but before getting to that, you know, uh, the analyst community, 16 people covering it, You have the perfect setup. They don't believe in it. Their 12-month forward price target is exactly where the price is trading now, 72. They believe there's no upside. In any event, three charts. Yeti. The principles are the same regardless of the business. A steady orderly uptrend. You can see it there. I've annotated the trend line. Second chart. It's also a channel. Put in a second line, meaning north by northeast. Steadily higher. Never gets too hot. And when it does, it pulls back. Remember, this stock lost 19%. Uh, in the past two weeks before this week's bounce. The third chart and final chart, another way to look at it. Uh, the channel with the midpoint, north by northeast, steady as she goes, higher, and never too uh, steep and hysterical. And when it does get a little steep, it pulls back, and that's the setup for the next advance.
1: Tony, what do you make of the trade?
3: Well, first I will say that I can't sit down in the mornings without my Yeti mug uh, with the <laughs> cup full of coffee so the uh, you know the brand recognition here is certainly unparalleled in this particular space. Now Mike referred to 15 to 20 percent top and bottom line growth here. I actually think that's fairly average but what I think is really impressive is the fact that on a billion dollars in revenue they've generated 273 million dollars in free cash flow. And over the past couple of quarters, they've been able to grow their profit margins from under five percent over seventeen percent. That's really where I think uh, why the stock is trading so high, you know, has such strong performance here this year compared to its sector, consumer discretionary. Now, uh, as far as Mike's trade goes, you can think of it two different ways. Mike talked about it in terms of selling a strangle in, to finance buying a long-term, longer-term call. Um, I actually think for some investors here who are watching the show who may be a little confused about that strategy. Another way to think about this is selling a put he's selling the March 65 put which I think from a tactical perspective is really important because that 65 level is this is the last swing low which corresponds with a channel that Carter is re- referring to and then using the, those proceeds to finance a, a call a diagonal here he's trading the 72 and a half 80 March uh, May diagonal here and if you just traded di- the diagonal itself he would have been risking about eight, a little, a little over 8% of the underlying stock price to trade that diagonal. But by selling the put, you've reduced the risk of the overall trade down to just under 5%. So reduction in risk here is really key here. You do add a little risk if the stock declines significantly, but for, the, for looking at the fundamentals, I think the, the the probability of that is relatively low.
1: All right. Up next, you can do all the fundamental research. You can tackle the technicals. Your trade can be working, and then the boss quits lesson to be learned from a gray swan at Amazon and how options can keep your feathers from getting too ruffled. Plus, we're taking your tweets to send them your way, our way, I should say, at Options Action. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at one of our open trades. Just last week, Cohen Carter teamed up to make a bet on Amazon into earnings.
0: We're working into the apex whether you call it a wedge or a triangle, it doesn't matter. It typically happens, equilibrium, buyers and sellers are matched off before something occurs. Many would say, yeah, Carter, it's gonna break out down through the bottom. That's not my bet. I think it's gonna break out to the upside.
2: A single share of stock would cost you more than $3,200 right now. One round lot, which is 100 shares, would be 320,000. So one thing we could do is look to buy a call option on a like amount of shares instead and then look to sell some of the elevated options premium in the more near-dated options. I was looking specifically at the June 3,300 calls. You could pay about $274 per share for those, obviously much less than a share of stock. Remember, every call option represents 100 shares, though, so you have to multiply that by 100, and then sell the February 2550 calls against it for $37.50 piece. Net-net, you're going to be spending the equivalent of $236.50 per share.
1: All right, so you know what happened. Amazon posted very strong results, but then announced that Jeff Bezos will step away from his role as CEO. Um, We'll get to Mike in a second with the trade, but Carter, what's your take at this point?
0: Right, so the breakout uh, for earnings for a resolution of the standoff five months sideways has been deferred, not canceled, which is to say the operating business, the premise for the breakout in hand and delivered, and yet, of course, when the founder of an enterprise such as this steps down, people rethink it, at least on a short-term basis. So stay long and uh, roll your calls, but Mike will have uh, a play for you.
1: All right, so Mike, what is it?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, this was looking great right after earnings. And then of course, uh... jeff lowered the boom on us but what's interesting of course with this trade is that because of the decay in the near dated options and the fact that the stock actually has held up relatively well after suffering a little bit of a setback right after that announcement we actually can stay long those longer-dated calls and just essentially Turn this into what we call a super calendar that's a situation where we cover those short calls that have essentially decayed to nothing and then we sell another set maybe another month out we own those june calls remember so we've got less capital allocated than we would have had we owned the stock we are seeing some mild profits maybe not as good as we'd hoped in you know after earnings and we can essentially continue to make this play through time uh, i still like the trade in the long side all right
1: up next we got your tweets and the final call stay tuned Welcome back to Options Action. Time for Tweets. Our first viewer asks, is now a good time for a covered call on AT&T looking at March 26th? Mike, what do you say?
2: I think this person is paying really close attention. This is a smart expiration for two reasons. One, they've reported earnings in January, and they don't again until April. So you're going to be selling an option that doesn't capture that. But there's another very important reason. This stock pays a very big dividend, and it goes ex-dividend very early in April. So there's no assignment risk by selling this near-dated expiration. So I think this is a very smart exploration to choose for a covered right in AT&T.
1: All right. Our next viewer asks, is there any way to know if a giant on the money call by is someone buying insurance against a giant short stock position? Tony, why don't you take that one?
3: Uh, the reality is that it's difficult to ever know the true intentions of any call buyer and what their position that they actually have in addition to the call that they've purchased. But I will say that it's generally, I would say, uncommon for a firm to use out-of-the-money call options to hedge a, a short stock position.
1: All right, time for the final call. Carter.
0: Disney me, long into
1: earnings. Tony.
2: Betting on MGM, long Mike. a call spread. Mike. I'm rooting for you, Tom Brady. Take it home.
1: (laughs) Have a great weekend. Mad Money starts right now.